Hi, everybody. Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Lockdown Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Blue Devils podcast. So great to have you here with us on this Monday. Today's show is brought to you by Bet Bet BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Fun show coming up for you today. It's a Monday. It's been a long time since we had a Mailbag Monday edition of Locked On Blue Devils. So we're bringing it back today. I've got my best friend Ryan LaVoy here with me to talk all things uh, Duke basketball and other questions here in the mailbag. Ryan going to be more of a sounding board for me during today's edition of the program. Again, my name is JJ Jackson, proudly serving as the host of this podcast. Give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils. Follow me on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. Be sure to subscribe and follow Locked on Blue Devils for free wherever you get your podcasts as you'll get the latest episode of this podcast as soon as it comes out each and every day. Thank you so much for making Locked on Blue Devils your first listen every single day. I'm taking your questions. If your question is not answered today, I'll get to it in a future installment of Mailbag Monday. If you're listening today and you're like, wait a minute, I've got a question for JJ about Duke Athletics that needs to be answered. Great. I love hearing that. Send it to me. LO underscore Blue Devils on Twitter or you can go ahead and send us an email. LockedOnBlueDevils at gmail.com. All right. Let's bring in Ryan Lavoy for today's program. Ryan, thank you for being here, man. Glad to have you back on the podcast. It's been a while. I'm glad that, to get the invite <laughs> back, and I know that I'm probably not, uh, by this point, a top 100 guest that you had, so <laughs> glad to get another call, though. It's exciting to have you back on the program. We will go ahead and get this out of the way once again. If you've never heard Ryan before, or if you had, and you need a reminder, somehow, some way, everyone knows this. Within the Duke community, we know how close these two schools are to one another. You can be friends with the opposition. Ryan LaVoy is a North Carolina Tar Heel, and we forgive him for that every single day. But well, uh, Once you told me that Grayson Allen and Joel Berry were good friends, yeah. <laughs> that changed my whole perspective. Everything's possible once that's the case. That's right. Both those guys from Florida and, uh, yeah, the best of friends, and fun to see them go head-to-head. In the rivalry, you think of Wayne Ellington and Gerald Henderson being high school teammates and then going to separate schools within the rivalry. Yeah, anything is possible. All right, so let's answer some of these questions. Uh, I'll give some thoughts, and then, Ryan, I'd love to hear what you have to say uh, or, or feel free to say, hey, man, JJ, go a little deeper with what you got there. So Mailbag Monday, any questions that folks had for me, they sent to me. And uh, here is the first one. Is the one-game suspension for Clemson's David Collins good enough? Of course, David Collins was involved in the uh, flagrant two-foul called against Wendell Moore Jr. on a steal and shoved him underneath the basket. Is a one-game suspension good enough? I have a hard time answering this question. That's a good question. That question comes from Mark on Twitter. Uh, Mark, thank you for that question. The reason I have a problem with it is because I can't really think of a similar instance to this. I don't know that the precedent has necessarily been set for something like this. I said it on our podcast last week, recapping the Clemson game, I've never seen a foul like that before. I mean, that was over-the-top, egregious, terrible, everything. The decision for it to be a flagrant two, for him to be kicked out of the game immediately, was 1 million percent 
the right decision. But in terms of a long-term implication because of a play like that, I don't know if one game is good enough if it's justified. And I hate to give a cop-out answer, but that's kind of where I'm positioned right now because I just don't know how severe this one should be. Am I right? Or how are you, when you hear that question, what do you think? Yeah, so I kind of, I, I've thought about this a lot because you know what a uh, a lot of people's perspectives on this are going to be in that they're going to try and compare this to Grayson Allen right. stuff. And I believe Grayson Allen got a game or a half or a game. Never, or, always only suspended by Duke. Okay, Grayson Allen right. never received a, league, a, a league yeah. suspension so, for something like this. So the the reason why Grayson's stuff was not near this bad, and, and I've, like I said, I put a lot of thought into this, is with the tripping and stuff, those are plays on the floor where you're not realistically going to end up injuring somebody significantly, even though they were intentional, the, the high risk of injury not there. On this play, you're taking someone, undercutting them intentionally, putting your body into them while they're in midair. It's a very dangerous play because you're high up in the air. And how you land, you could land a couple of different horrific ways. You could have a significant knee injury if you land on that. Or if you land on your head, you could have a significant head injury, which thankfully Wendell Moore did not uh, do either. But, you know, whether whatever happened on the fall with standing, you know, what could have incurred was something very significant right. there. So I feel it's more significant than just a one-game spin. I'm not going to be like, oh, yeah, out for the season, that type of thing. But – I don't know, at least a week, because that's two games, two games. Sure. Um, at the least, maybe a third, but it was very significant. It's a play that, you know, when you text me, I don't think I've seen that. I was, I kind of rolled my eyes like, yeah, I mean, we'll see. And I looked at it, I was like, wow, yeah. dang. So I, I think it should have been a little bit more severe because of the potential severity of the injury that could have occurred to Wendell Moore once he fell. Good way to look at it. I mean, it just – surreal that this this play took place and I just I don't know I, I think the more that you're talking yeah probably a little bit longer of a suspension for David Collins again the player that had a flagrant two foul and you know that there was a, a Duke reaction to this as well from a number of people I saw online which I think is fair in that the one game for Duke happened to be that, that David Collins was suspended was this past weekend versus Notre Dame, why is that significant? Well, Duke and Notre Dame are going back and forth for the ACC title, and so Notre Dame gets set to play Clemson at Clemson, and they don't have one of their top players. Notre Dame ended up winning this weekend by 15 and remember or remains right there tied with Duke for the so conference So in an league. instance, Duke would have preferred a suspension that would have happened after that right. game or not even. Right, the, yeah. exactly, exactly, or longer Again, to kind of push right. forward the fact that, okay, maybe we need something a little bit more severe with this. Mark, thank you for that question. Enjoyed it. Uh, good question there. All right, moving on. Next question, Mailbag Monday here on Locked on Blue Devils. I have got a question here from Riley. Riley sent a message, is A.J. Griffin Duke's X Factor? And Riley, I do appreciate you reaching out sending this question. I've talked about this a lot on the podcast. I've asked... So many guests who cover the team, whether that be Steve Wiseman with the Raleigh News and Observer or our guy Brendan Marks with The Athletic, whoever it may be, I've asked this question a lot. And uh, absolutely, A.J. Griffin is the X factor for this Duke basketball team. When he plays well, Duke has played well. And even with that, 
A.J. did not play a whole lot at the start of the year. Barely played against Kentucky, first night of the season. Barely played against Gonzaga, Duke's most impressive win so far this season on a neutral floor. And every time he's played well, Duke has performed well. There hasn't been a game that A.J. plays well that Duke lost. That just doesn't exist. And in order for this Duke team to win a national championship, which we heard all of last week, even after the loss to Virginia, everyone who came on this podcast, you can go back and listen to it on your podcast feed, will let you know if Duke plays their best at their best, at, you know, full health, everything, there's not a more talented team in America. There's just not. This Duke team in NBA circles has five potential first-round picks, which would tie Kentucky for the most ever. But I do think if you're having to pick an X-Factor out of everybody, it's got to be A.J. Griffin. Right. As you said, everyone, I feel, is capable of having their own big game. Like, there can always be a moment where Trevor Keels has 20 or Mark Williams has 16, 15, and, and six blocks. You know, Wendell Moore really had a big start this season. So I feel like, in, in a sense, anyone could be the guy. But for Duke to have done a lot this year – with the guys I just mentioned, and not needing A.J. Griffin to do much. I feel that that makes him the X factor because he's not someone that the other team is going to game plan for first and foremost. You're going to look at Bancaro first. You're going to look at Mark Williams down low trying to get him in foul trouble. You're going to look at Trevor Keels, who, as you said, one of the guys is going to be in the first round of the draft. But Griffin is also one of the guys that can go in the first round in the NBA draft. And he's actually Duke's best three-point shooter by percentage. He's near 50%. So I feel like he is the definition of the X factor because there's so many other things to worry about, yet he has the same capabilities of being able to have a 20-point night. And he had a great game against North Carolina a couple weeks ago, and he really has the ability, just like a lot of other guys on the team, to have big nights, yet I feel like he's the one – that coaches are not going to game plan for as much. So he's got a lot of opportunities seemingly being one of the, the, the second guys out there to have big nights. That's a great question. Thank you for that, Riley. And, uh, yeah, can't wait to see what A.J. Griffin continues to do throughout this season. More questions here on Mailbag Monday right after this. Football might be over for this season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. For the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land. Bet Online is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. Bet Online remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. Bet Online has your source for hockey, boxing, UFC odds, right to your Olympic coverage and information. BetOnline.net. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Continuing on here with Mailbag Monday, Locked on Blue Devils, J.J. Jackson hanging out with Ryan Lavoie today on the program, taking your questions, discussing everything going on in the world of Duke athletics. All right, let's continue to move on. And the next question I want to jump to is actually one you sent me, Ryan, that I want to put here on the program. As a North Carolina guy, I thought this question was uh, very interesting. Would you rather Coach K's Blue Devils beat Carolina to end the regular season on a buzzer beater or a blowout? 
And that is an incredible question. That's a very fair question. As we know, it would be the final game played in Cameron Indoor Stadium that Mike Krzyzewski is the head coach. I need to put this one on Twitter just to kind of get the reaction from all the fans out there for Duke, too. I think blowout, probably, because I just I would love to see the, the uh, celebration that would kind of take place as it gets into the later stages. A buzzer beater would be absolutely epic. I would be so nervous the entire time because there's still the possibility in those close games that you lose. But from the Duke perspective, to celebrate Coach K in his final game as uh, the head coach, I think in a blowout, there's going to be way more celebration and the environment is going to be louder for a longer period of time with the excitement knowing that he's about to walk off a big-time winner for the final time. I think that's where I steer. Many great buzzer beaters in the series in recent years at the Dean Dome. None that we can think of, you know, this century since 2000 that are significant in Cameron Indoor. And yet, I still would like to have uh, the blowout, I think. Well, I think you get to appreciate K a little bit more, you know, when you've, got, when you've got 10 or 11 minutes left and the game result's not in doubt. And there's not a lot of times in this historic series where you can rest easy yeah. with nine or ten minutes left in the game. Yeah. But that's how it was in Chapel Hill earlier this year. So I feel like it's one of the more valid years. Duke is a lot better than Carolina. Carolina's just not been very good against good teams, to be quite frank. And so, you know, it's it's a realistic possibility Duke can go beat Carolina by 20, 25 points again. And, and that possibility is not in existence very often in this series for either team. So I, I think it would be – better for Duke I mean I'm speaking for a Carolina fan what hurts me more they both hurt it's a yeah. loss I don't know um I've lost both ways recently um <laughs> you know with the buzzer beater in Chapel Hill with Wendell Moore and how that game transpired and then with this past one in Chapel Hill so um they're both bad I actually probably prefer to get beat the buzzer uh, because Carolina is an underdog and Duke should win this game um fairly easy you know re- rel- right. relatively speaking of course and so to, for Carolina to hang in there for 38, 39 minutes would feel like an accomplishment because they've not hung in there with anybody good this year. Uh, whereas, you know, the first game of this series, Duke, like Carolina really did not ever was in the game. They really were never in the game. Um, and so that feeling demoralized for 30 to 35 minutes felt worse than losing at the buzzer, especially when you're an underdog. So I think – I, you know, speaking on, on what would hurt more is, yeah, seeing a second half full of Coach K love, I think would be, uh, would hurt a little bit more. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think you want to be able to appreciate uh, one of the truly great coaches of any sport of all time uh, for the last half rather than sweat out losing your arch rival. A second half full of Coach K love is everything that I've dreamed of uh-huh. when it comes to the last game for Coach K. They're inside Cameron Indoor Stadium. Again, a phenomenal question asked by you. I appreciate that, Ryan. All right, Mailbag Monday edition here, Locked on Blue Devils. Again, follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils. If you haven't already, hit pause right now on the podcast. After I tell you what to do, I always say hit pause, and then I'm like, wait a minute, if they hit pause, they can't hear me keep talking. Leave us a five-star rating and review. It means a lot when you take the time to do that. Type out nice words. Ryan Lavoy is the best underneath this podcast. Whatever it takes to give me that five-star rating, I really do appreciate it. All right, I've got one more question. This one comes from Kelly. 
Locked on Blue Devils Mailbag Monday. Who, if anybody, should Duke be concerned about in the ACC tournament? Again, it's set up well for Duke. They perform really well in the ACC tournament. Going back to Brooklyn this year for the tournament. The last uh, last year, Duke obviously won their first two games in the ACC tournament before COVID-19 took them out of the remainder of that tournament. The last time Duke was in the tournament full-time was Zion Williamson. The team knocked off North Carolina in an epic game that Zion actually played against the Tar Heels in in the semifinals and then went on to win uh, that tournament championship back in 2019. So the last full tournament that Duke played in there in the ACC, it resulted in the Blue Devils winning it. Uh, Coach K has more ACC tournament titles than any coach ever but if you're asking me who this team should worry about, I think there are a lot of teams to worry about in the ACC in a tournament setting uh, because I worry about it. You've watched Duke games with me. Yeah. You could tell the people out there, my parents could echo this, the people yep. close to me. It could be 2 nothing, 4 nothing early in the game, Yep. and uh, I'm, I'm a wreck Can't at confirm. that point. Uh, but I, North Carolina, obviously, uh, anytime you play a rival, anything can happen. The guards for Miami, man are just so – Duke saw that firsthand with Charlie Moore, Isaiah Wong, uh, Cameron McGusty. Those guys are excellent. Duke really didn't struggle that much against Notre Dame uh, and really didn't struggle that much against Wake Forest. Some of the other teams, they're at the top of the league. Florida State really surprising this year to be 6-8 and eight because that's typically a team that Duke does struggle with. They lost already in Tallahassee. Uh, this coming up weekend, we'll see Duke play Florida State in Cameron. I'm curious if that's going to be – a different ball game, but uh, I'd say the top two, honestly, would be North Carolina and Miami. That would kind of worry me. Yeah, I, I think that's a good way of a good line of thinking there. Um, I, I I'll go to the three losses. Right? Should you worry about Florida State? In my opinion, no. I, I think they've shown not to be a great team. That's the one game Duke lost on the road, so you can kind of shove it off as just a road environment uh, and a frustrating loss there. Uh, the Miami and Virginia games are home losses, weird losses, weird to see Duke lose at home as the favorite team. Um, between those two, I just don't think Virginia's that great. I, I think they've played a lot better here in the second half of the right. season. Early in the year, they were losing some just eye raisers. But um, I, I just don't think Virginia is in a good position as a basketball team. I just don't think they're very good. Miami, at least, is a team that feels like an NCAA tournament team. Uh, they're towards the top of the league, and they did go into Cameron and win. And as you said, the guard play. Guard play holds up really well in tournament atmospheres. And so I think Miami is the is the biggest question mark. Carolina, I just don't – after seeing Carolina get throttled at home, Carolina is going to have to put on a really good performance in Cameron for me to say Duke should worry about Carolina. It, it was just so authoritative in Chapel Hill. I, that's how I expected to go in Cameron right. here in a few weeks is, is Duke put the put the pedal to the metal, right. win that game easily from the get-go. But it happened in Chapel Hill. So I just don't know about Carolina. Uh, but, you know, for, for honestly, y- yes, I guess Duke should worry. But no, they also shouldn't because they're also better than everybody. And they've played down to some competition this year. That's sure. why they're not already kind of taking the, the horns of the ACC. Um, because no one else in this league is a top 25 team. We've talked about it all year long. Right. No one else is ranked in this league, and right. they shouldn't be. So 
and honestly, Duke's just got to worry first and foremost about themselves. Right. Just making sure that if they play well, I don't think anyone's beating them. All right, Locked On Blue Devils Mailbag Monday. Let's close it out right after this. Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. All right, we've talked all month long in January about New Year's resolutions. If you want to get healthy, get fit, you've got to include Built Bar into your routine. And, and for most people, this time of year, once we turn the calendar over to February, this is the time of the year a lot of people give up on all of their New Year's resolutions. But for me, that's not been the case. This year, I'm sticking to mind, I'm eating right, and it's all thanks to Built Bar. It almost feels like it's not really even a resolution because I just enjoy eating Built Bar so much. Again, I want you to try this out. All Built Bars covered in 100% real chocolate. 100% real chocolate. It's that awesome. Go to built.com, use our promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, to get 15% off your order. These Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Awesome flavors like mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, white chocolate, cookies and cream, and a whole lot more. Check it all out at built.com. Built Bar is a proud sponsor of the Locked On Blue Devils podcast. Final segment here today for Locked on Blue Devils on this Mailbag Monday. Ryan LaVoy here with me. Any questions you've got for future editions of Mailbag Monday, send them to us, LockedOnBlueDevils at gmail.com, or send us a DM on Twitter or a tweet, whatever you want to do, at LO underscore Blue Devils. All right, the last question I've got today is from me. I've asked a question, and I'm going to send this over to Ryan uh, because this is something that he absolutely loves. And I'd love to hear his insight here, and and maybe I'll be the sounding board, and we'll kind of banter back and forth here. But uh, all right, Ryan, a big NBA fan, right? So here we go. Of the five former Duke players traded at the deadline, who ended up in the best spot out of these moves? All right, Justice Winslow goes from the Clippers to the Portland Trailblazers. Marvin Bagley III, for the first time ever, no longer plays for the Sacramento Kings. He's now a member of the Detroit Pistons. He is way happier about that after getting DNPs galore uh, because of some bad, you know, uh, a bad attitude, a bad, you know, back and forth with Luke Walton there in Sacramento, whatever. Bagley is now in Detroit. Seth Curry goes from the Philadelphia 76ers. His father-in-law, Doc Rivers, was his head coach, and he's traded away from that to the Brooklyn Nets. Rodney Hood, Bucks to the Clippers, and then Vernon Carey Jr., the Hornets to the Wizards. So Winslow goes Clippers to Portland. Bagley goes Sacramento to Detroit. Seth Curry has Philadelphia to Brooklyn. Rodney Hood, Milwaukee to LAC. And then Vernie Carey Jr., Charlotte to the Washington Wizards. Ah, So I don't think it's Winslow. Um, Winslow's starting to get a few more years in his career. It's, it's, yeah. He's starting to get to the – he is what he is part right. of his career. Um. Vernon Carey, that might actually be a sneaky good one because anything that gets him some playing time, because he's still a young guy right. that's really never gotten an opportunity, so any opportunity he should be thrilled with. And just his second year, yeah, right. that's a good look. Um, Bagley, yes and no, because yes, the situation in Sacktown was awful for him. Nothing ever happens well in Detroit, though. <laughs> so, I, you know... We'll see what he makes of it, but that one is still difficult because the Pistons are still difficult, period. Uh, if you want to talk about poorly run organizations, Sacramento's right down there with with Detroit. Right. So, um, so you're left with Rodney Hood, then in Seth Curry. And then once again, you know these guys are more veteran guys. Um, 
I'm going to go Seth Curry. I, a, I think he's the best player of this right. group. But B, you know, this wasn't some horrible deal for him. I know Philadelphia is now going to be perceived as, you know, uh, maybe the favorites in the East with, with Harden, and so losing that situation uh, doesn't feel like a win. But remember, Curry wasn't a part. You know, he couldn't coexist in that situation. Right, like he was the reason Harden is there. If he's not traded, Harden's possibly not in that. Right, you know, I mean, they Curry's a very important part. He's not a throw-in. Uh, I know Ben Simmons is still the most important, but I stress again, if you think Seth Curry's a throw-in, then you haven't watched him play. Right. Um, and what he will do in Brooklyn is going to be the same role, if not increased, because he's going to be playing, in theory, once Durant comes back, with somebody that knows how to play basketball at a high level. Durant is a better passer than people realize. Uh, he kind of adapted that in Golden State. And then with Kyrie... Okay, well, there's some brotherhood there. College teammates. Um, and I granted, I don't know if Kyrie is ever going to play in home games. Right. But um, he's going to be starting alongside such talented offensive players that, once again, remember when we were talking about X-Factors for Duke? Coaches pay attention to Bancaro and Williams and, and Wendell Moore. Well, coaches are not paying attention as much to Seth Curry when Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant are on the floor. Sure. So, in Philly – Seth Curry was still the best guard because you had Embiid was your best right. player and Tobias Harris was a forward, but right. Curry was your best guard. Now your best guard's Kyrie Irving. And so he kind of comes around as, as a secondary thought for coaches, yet he's still going to shoot 45% from three. And, and, in fact, because he's got smart guys around him like Durant, he's going to get just as many opportunities, if not more. And I don't think Brooklyn is dead and buried like other people think they are. So – I like Curry going to the Nets more than the other guys. It's just, I would agree with you. I'm excited to have Curry reunite with Kyrie Irving. Granted, Kyrie only played 11 games that season, but yet they were still uh, college teammates for that entire year that Kyrie was in Durham. And it's still so cool to me that, uh, again, I'm with you. I really hope that non-Duke people, I don't know how many are going to be listening to this conversation or this podcast, but can appreciate what Seth Curry has done at the NBA level. He is a really, really good professional basketball player. And it is unbelievable to me and so cool that those two brothers, Steph and Seth Curry, are both so damn good at shooting a basketball. It's unreal. Both of them. I've wanted Seth in Golden State for years because that's just... Neither one can miss ever. And, I mean, Seth is averaging 15 a game this year in case people didn't know. And he's still shooting the same efficient percentages. (laughs) His three balls down just a little bit, but still 40%. So that's why I'm saying, like, he's going to get great looks. He's going to get great opportunities. There's no problem with that offense. In fact, their offense is going to flow better. I know Kyrie dribbles a lot, but no one has ever dribbled more in the history of basketball than James Harden. (laughs) So the ball will flow more there, and that's a good thing. And, look, Simmons, Simmons ain't going to shoot. So if Ben Simmons ever starts playing for Brooklyn, he's just going to dish the Seth. Right. It's not like he's going to take more shots away. So I, I, I still think that he can have a big role in Brooklyn's success moving forward. Thanks for being here today, Ryan. This was I fun. Enjoy, I enjoyed it. All right, that's Ryan LaVoy joining us here on Lockdown Blue Devils. He's on Twitter, at Ryan LaVoy Zero. Do me a favor, give him a follow over there as well, as that's going to do it for another edition of our podcast. Again, if you've got any questions 
that you would like to be answered in future editions of Locked On Blue Devils, send them my way. Email them to me, LockedOnBlueDevils at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. Follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils. Be sure to subscribe and follow this podcast right now on your favorite podcast app, and you'll get the latest episode of Locked On Blue Devils as soon as it's available each and every day. Now take this time to check out Locked On ACC podcasts. Candace Cooper doing a great job of breaking down the Atlantic Coast Conference as she always does. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody, as that's going to do it for today's show. As always, go Duke. I'll talk to you tomorrow. My name is JJ Jackson. Thank you and good day.